Welcome back to Searching for Political Identity, everybody. I am Brian Escal, your host. This is episode 114, and what I'm going to do today is just tell a couple quick stories that I hope, when you piece them together, will kind of tell you about my sense of identity as a Jew. And then I'm going to say a few quick words about the current events in Israel and Gaza, and then I will stop recording. So, that's the plan. Thanks for being here. So, what's my experience as a Jew? Well, I grew up in a very nice suburb in New Jersey where there were a fair amount of conservative Jews, um, also a fair amount of Reform Jews, which we certainly were. Reform meaning kind of quite relaxed, quite relaxed. Okay, guys, you have Reform Jews, conservative Jews, and then you have Orthodox Jews. So this story of my Jewish identity has to start with the acknowledgement that my cousins have had a profound impact on my family and on myself, mostly by way of the fact that as a child growing up, four times a year, we would go to their house. And they were, they were, if not conservative, damn near orthodox. And they would lead the prayers and, in Hebrew and the presence of certain family members there who were direct Holocaust survivors just added a layer of seriousness and made it real. And so there's no doubt that my identity as a Jew is, is tremendously impacted by being at my cousin's house growing up so frequently. Um, and watching them go through the ceremonies and just the seriousness with, and the re, the, again, the, the, the realness of what it means to be a Jew. That was quite, quite something in hindsight. Now, I was bar mitzvahed, um, so I did that, you know. Uh, my dad was, is a Jew, but he wasn't very Jewish, you know, more of a Buddhist kind of guy, but he studied the Torah before, before allowing me to bar, you know, be bar mitzvah. He timed that so I could be bar mitzvah because he's just the type of guy that said, you know, I'm not going to, my kids won't be bar mitzvah if I don't study the Torah. So I come from a family of people who are interested in religion, certainly intellectually and, and, and spiritually as well. So, but reform, uh, speaking of my dad, and his brothers and the impact they have on me and my political views as I'm obviously forming them. I, the house I grew up in was quite liberal and quite sympathetic to the Palestinian people and frankly quite critical of Israel at times. Though I have to admit, I, even to this day, remain fairly ignorant, you know, shamefully ignorant about the whole situation. So I'm just telling you my reality, my experience, what it means for me to be Jewish. Um, and again, we'll end on a, on a couple quick thoughts on current events. But um, so I was bar mitzvahed. That's the kind of house I grew up in. When I was about 17 or 18 years old, I was invited to an APAC meeting. For anyone who doesn't know what APAC is, it's an extremely large, powerful lobbying organization that lobbies on behalf of Israel in, in the United States. And so... You know how these things work. It's a meeting. I got invited, and they're there to espouse their political cause, which is, you know, pro Israeli sentiment. So there I am. And, you know, I'm fucking high as hell. Just, what am I? I'm 17, 18 years old. I don't know. My co one of my cousins probably invited me to this meeting. 
And the guy says, if you're wishy-washy on Israel, I have no time for you. And let me be clear, anyone in this room, do not waste a single breath talking to people who are wishy-washy on Israel. That is not our, 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 that is a waste of our time. We are in a fight for our survival over in Israel, and therefore we must only communicate with people who already get it, who already take it seriously. We must not waste, and I was like, wow, that's interesting. And I said, wow, I mean, they're really not talking to me. It's just not where I come from, right? It's not the house I come from. So the message did not resonate with me. Now, fast forward three years, you know, now I'm 20 years old. And first of all, I'm like 30, I'm, I'll be 34 in, in a month. But um, in relation to that APEC meeting now, fast forward three years, now I'm 20. And uh, in typical first world Jewish fashion, a friend of my mom's worked for the birthright. You know, everyone knows the birthright trip. Every Jew gets to go to Israel, right? And I got fast-tracked on a birthright trip, is what I'm trying to say. Um, my mom was like, hey, do you want to go to Israel? Because most people, I think, you have to sign up, and then it may take a little while. But anyway, in my case, I was fortunate. As soon as I wanted to go, I didn't, and I didn't want to go. The idea was mentioned to me. Of course, there's no, I don't really do anything. Like even law school recently, I just kind of backed into it, right? Like I don't really have particularly strong sense of direction. But when it was... Uh, you know, brought to my attention that I could do that, and I said yes. I was quickly accepted into the program, and next thing you know, I'm in Israel, and I had a great time, and, and I did have a great time, a really great time. Um, you know, you meet, I forget if it was like 20, it was 20 to 40, I can't remember the exact number, I think it was 20 probably United States Jews, and then you get paired up with uh, Israeli soldiers, and so you experience two weeks in Israel, with soldiers, they got the machine guns. You're like, damn, they're younger than me and they've got these guns and this is what my experience would be like if I lived here. Oh my goodness, it's, it's quite profound. But again, I have to say, I'm not the most informed person. I, wa I wasn't the most interested person at the time and so I was just kind of there, right? Probably the least knowledgeable person in the entire group. Just like, la, 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 here we are, whatever. Blank-minded, having fun. We were all having fun, but... So... I think, well, before I get to the story about calling my grandma in Tel Aviv, I'll say the one really profound thing that sticks with me that you do there during that trip is they put you under the stars in the Negev desert at night and they put you in pairs and they say, go walk and just go walk and talk and come back when you're done. And it's pretty amazing to be in the desert in Israel, under the stars, talking to a Jewish stranger that you just met. It, it, was, it was unbelievable. I have to admit that was powerful. But uh, aside from that, the only real memorable kind of moment for me during that whole trip was on the very last day when I called my grandma, who lives in New Jersey, and I said, you know, hey, grandma, how you doing? She goes, Brian, how are you? How is it? And I said, it's good. You know, I'm in Tel Aviv. She goes, do you feel like you're home? And I said, uh, home? I'm from New Jersey, you know? And so I think that really cuts to the core of like what it means to be a Jew. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Let me, let me not be so dramatic and just make it again about what I can tell you, which is my, my experience. And I said, I'm from New Jersey. Um, but she goes, did you feel like you're home home? I'm like, ah, Grandma, I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I don't think I did at the time, to be honest with you. Now, I will say generally as I've gotten older, 
I've certainly gotten more spiritual, and my respect for religion has only grown. Does that mean that I feel a deeper connection to Israel? <laughs> I, it's so hard to say. What I can tell you is this. Um, what does it mean to be a Jew? In my opinion, it, it means that you're bonded by a certain lineage, a certain law, a certain morality, a certain history, and a certain experience of persecution and oppression. And um, it's kind of a funny thing. And you can understand why it would be an integral part of a person's search for political identity, a sense of identity. So I won't deny that it is. And uh, I have to be honest and just continue to admit that I'm not the most knowledgeable person on this conflict between Israel and the Palestinian people. So it almost seems like I shouldn't say a few words about the current events. Of course, I will anyway. I did buy a book. Uh, I think it's called The General Sun. Maybe I'll start that today. In fact, I will start that today. Uh, I do intend to get caught up on this conflict. But, you know, with the attack we saw on October 7th, look, one viewpoint is that it was part of a liberation movement. The other viewpoint is that it was an unforgivable, um, sadistic, inhumane massacre. And... Uh, requiring, requiring, frankly, vengeance. So I guess the only thing I'll say is I saw a pretty profound post on X from this guy who basically asked what Christ would, how Christ would respond, and something about turning the other cheek, of course. And as, as I was thinking about it, I was like, you know, if you were an Israeli general, though, or the prime minister and responsible for the existence of your people in the state of Israel, um... Sadly, I'm not sure turning the other cheek would be on your list of options. Um, I don't mean to sound irrational or tribalistic or bloodthirsty uh, or emotional. But I don't know if I said emotional already, but is there not a time, you know, there is a time for military action, sadly. And in this case, of course, the whole situation is the fact that Hamas is hiding behind the Palestinian people. And so that's, of course, the ethical predicament, and it's profound. Um, I don't know if we've ever seen anything quite like it. And the big question, I think, is who has moral responsibility if there are mass casualties, mass civilian casualties in Gaza? A lot of people would lay that on Israel. A lot of people would lay that on Hamas. Um, my gut would, is to say that it's on Hamas, uh, but maybe that's the Jew talking in me. Maybe that's the emotional, tribalistic, even though I'm not the strongest Jew or the most, you know what I'm saying, but I'm a Jew. And so maybe that's just me rooting for my team. I don't know what happened. The attacks on October 7th are obviously, you know, inhumane and, and could not be condoned by anyone with a conscience. Um, that doesn't mean that we should automatically dismiss the plight of the Palestinian people. I'm not going to do that, but I think when you do what you did, Hamas, um, I think you then claim, or sorry, that's not the right word, you then are responsible for what happens next. 
And right now we are in it is what it is mode. And uh, people who are afraid for their lives in Israel now are going to probably do some fucked up shit, you know, in the name of their survival. I certainly hope, I think like everybody else, like everybody else, I hope that uh, who, who would ever want to see mass civilian casualties? Um, so I hope that can be avoided. I don't know. I don't know that it can based on what you hear in the news, right? Well, now they got to crush them and they got to, and, and they're hiding under these tunnels, under the civilian infrastructure. Okay. What the fuck, man? <laughs> Tough shit, right? Anyway, I'll research this more. Perhaps when we speak again, I'll give you an update on my thoughts. But uh, pretty heavy stuff. Pray for peace. God bless. And I'll see you next week. Thanks for listening.